0: Welcome back to the WWC Global Podcast, Winning with Connections. I am thrilled to be here with one of my mentors and good friends and CEOs extraordinaire of Celestar Corporation, Greg Celestan. Greg and I have known each other probably 12 years now. And it has been a remarkable friendship, partnership, and again, mentorship that I have been thrilled to have in my life. Greg, thank you so much for joining us
1: today. Lauren, it is truly a pleasure. And it's so funny, you know, uh, you referring to me as a mentor. I think the tables have turned in the years since we've met each other. I've been uh, fascinated by watching your phenomenal rise and coming into the community and taking off like a rocket. So, I mean, uh, it's the respect is mutual. And uh, again, it's not that often that you get a chance to Have a peer and a fellow CEO, but you also have a friendship and respect and you enjoy spending time. So, this has been a pleasure for me too. So,
0: I've joked around with you before about the way that we met. I had first gotten to Tampa. So, this is 12 years ago now, almost exactly 12 years ago now. And you were up on a panel. I think it was at the convention center. I don't, it couldn't have been Suffolk. It must have been something. I don't even remember what it was. But I remember you were up on the stage on a panel, at the convention center, talking about small business in GovCon. And I'm sitting in the audience and I was like, that guy, that's who I want to be. I want to be him. And, you know, watching, because you were overwhelmingly successful in Celestar. You were at the time, either the chair or the chair elect of the chamber. And you just, you knew everyone. You worked the room. You you knew how to do GovCon, and you had grown this this small business, like I already had, into this kind of much bigger behemoth in in my eyes at that point. That that was doing things well and doing things right, and you clearly had the right moral stance, and you weren't doing things you know for only profit and all the stuff that that kind of we had been talking about you had this vision that was similar to ours, but then you had actually succeeded in it at that point. And so I was like, wait, I want to, he's showing me that this is possible. And very soon thereafter, I think I went up and introduced myself to you, but then ended up working through with you a lot, you know, on chamber stuff. You were the chair of the chamber, pulled us in. I credit a lot of our success here in Tampa, as well as in GovCon to, your leadership and mentorship and your generosity and literally opening up everything to us. You want to know how I did this here? Here's how I did it. So I, I truly appreciate that. And and watching you help us has made made sure that I turn around and do the same
1: thing to others. Wow. Well, Lauren, thank you so much. Uh, you give me more credit than I deserve. And, you know, it's funny what you're doing now is, you know, we have followed the same path because you know, when I retired out of the military in 2004 and I decided to stay here in Tampa, it's very similar to what you talked about. You know, I had to turn around and look for other people to help me get started. And I was fortunate with, you know, people like Hugh Campbell, who had already been out and had started his business and was willing to take the time and talk to me. And, and you know, there's so much you don't know about running a business uh, when you get out. You do a lot of discovery learning and this community was interesting because they were everyone was willing to help. They were willing to take the time and explain things to me, and I had never been in that environment before. And that's kind of what drew me to the Chamber of Commerce, You know, just as a side note, because I realized that doing work at the base and working strictly in GovCon, I knew so little about the business community. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, let me get involved with the Tampa Chamber. I'll meet some other business people and I'll start to learn. And that really is what got me embedded in the community. Because again, it was a group of people who were willing to say, hey, here's this veteran who may not know a lot and relatively new to the community, but we're going to help this person get embedded and learn. And so I tried to take that and turn it around and help others who came behind me. In particular, I wanted to show them that I wasn't the only guy. They treated me initially like, oh, you're this veteran entrepreneur or you're a person connected to the military community. And I started telling them, there are a lot of other people like me. You just don't right, know them. Right, right. And and it really in the
0: twelve years I've been here in Tampa, and I know you've been here a little bit longer than that, or a lot longer than that, I've seen a change in the way Tampa looks at veterans, that looks at military families. They've always been military family friendly, but they get it differently, and and I think that's a huge credit to to your chairmanship of the chamber because I think you've changed the conversation, and now everyone has that same understanding. So I, I've been impressed with where the chamber went since you kind of led that charge.
1: Oh, well, thank you. And, and again, like I said, you've really helped them have a greater understanding because they've always – you're right. I think they've always respected the military here in this community – but it still was like something in an ivory castle. They really, because a lot of the people here on the business side had not served or had not had family, direct family, like a spouse who had served. So right. there was respect, but not a great level of understanding. And, you know, I cracked the door open and now you've taken it further and now it's embedded and now they get it. And that's really important for something that's such a large economic driver in our community.
0: Totally. Absolutely. And and every chair since really is pushing on that as a driver. And I I think that's really critical. So it's funny, we had when when we were small, and you were much larger than us, like I said, we had multiple conversations about kind of your strategy, how you grew, because you were an 8A firm that grew out of size status. And you've got some great stories about growing out of size status but not really letting them grow you out of the 8A program in time or early but you did it and you did it well and you were kind of moving forward but then you hit the same thing that we're facing now that what do they call it the no, no man's land <laughs> yeah the there yeah the cliff the valley of death i think was the the right. best that i'd heard for it but that that no man's land of not small and not large. And so one of the things I really want our listeners to hear from you, because you did, this is terrifying to every one of us that has faced this. The growth out of small business is not hard for a lot of us, right? Right, You figure out the small business play, you play it well, you end up at 20 million or 25 million or 30 million because you know how to play the game of small business. And that's hard. I don't want to take that away from anyone who's done it. And that's hard. And it's it's a game that you have to learn and you have to learn it well. And there's lots of things that that happen that can make or break you. And so, you know, I know you and I both counsel a lot of small businesses that are trying to make it in the early stages. But getting through that small business kind of growth trajectory, there's a lot of good small businesses that do it and do it well. And there's a lot of businesses who stay, I can think of a few in Tampa, that stay small because they know that small game, they know how to play it, and they actively stay small. I hate the term lifestyle business because I don't know yeah. anyone who's got a lifestyle business that that's successful, but that stay small and kind of play in that pond and are good, solid, big fish in that pond. We made a decision, you did and we did, that we weren't going to do that. And you came into this no man's land that we're heading into as well. And it didn't go as well as you wanted it to. And so you've you've taken a step back and done it again. So I want I want to hear from you kind of what happened mm-hmm. and how you're, because you took a second run at it and did it, you took all the lessons you had and now we're killing it again. So wow. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love the listeners to hear from you what happened, what happened in that first run at it, where it didn't quite go as well, what you did to take a second run at it. I don't know that I would have had the courage to do it. I don't know that I don't have the fortitude to do it, but you did it. You and Lou and Lori did it and did it well. And, and it's paid off for you. So can you
1: talk about that? Well, um, yeah. And so, you know, when we started out, I started out in 04, and then Lori and Lou came on board in 05 and 06. It was a different world in GovCon. There was so much work because of two active you know, conflicts going on in Iraq and Afghanistan. And we were based primarily here. Most of our work was centered at McDill. So we were a known quantity. I was an 8 There were a lot of small set-aside contracts that we were basically feasting on and doing well. And that's how we initially grew in those first years, you know, up through, I would say, 2012. We started doing some work up in D.C. I look back on it and I was very naive, you know, but we'd establish a great reputation, took care of our folks, all the things you and I talked about that we did. And then we just through natural, you know, we were winning contracts. We busted out of that small business size standard. And we had made a lot of friendships and relations with a lot of the larger businesses, You know, the Lockheed Martins, the khakis, the Booz Allens, and we had all of these relationships with all of their leadership. And the first smack of cold water in reality hit me when we came out of the small business standard was how some of these, and I won't mention which ones, but, you know, one of them who we had been doing a lot of work with pulled me aside and we were getting ready to, uh, start another contract vehicle with them, and they said, "Hey, we understand you're not small anymore." And I said, "Yeah, of course, but you know, you love us. We've been working together the last five years." And they said, "Look, as far as we're concerned, you're a competitor now." And I it just took my breath away. I mean, well, what? I mean, you're a multi-billion-dollar company. And we've just crested 15 million in revenue, but they're like, "Nope, you're no longer uh, small business, and uh, as far as we're concerned, you're a competitor." And good luck, and uh, we're not going to do business with you anymore. Yep. that was kind of the first uh, hit. And then the second hit we watched is that where we thought that we had relationships or friendships. It was that reminder that this is business. And uh, when you're dealing as you, we've talked about this. And and so some of these other companies, you know, where we've always worked collaboratively. Now, once that they saw that we weren't able to provide something to them as a small business, as an A as a service, a veteran owned small business. I won't say they turned on us, but it became very cold out there in the world. And that's when we started taking stock and we said, wow, we really hadn't planned for this. And then some other things had happened too, which I know all small business listeners will, you know, realize this. The time started changing around 2012, 2013. The government started saying, Hey, we want you to have some process and procedure and certifications and yep. you know an approved accounting system. And so we had to start looking and say, hey, we've got to slow down here and we're going to have to actually become um, disciplined in a professional company. And the third thing that happened on top of all that is, is that the government, when we were small, a lot of the contracts were set aside and they were, you know, one and two million dollar, you know, small businesses. Well, once we busted out of the small business size standard, the government started bundling these larger contract vehicles and setting them aside for small business, 10, 20, 30, $50 million contracts. Well, we couldn't bid on that anymore. So we were in the worst possible position of being in a company that we were no longer small but not large enough to go head-to-head with the billion-dollar companies, and we didn't have enough infrastructure in place to do that, and we couldn't bid on the set-aside contracts. And our sub work started going away because these large companies we were subcontracting to, again, like I said, we had no in their eyes no value to them. So we had to make a very very hard decision and say, what are we going to do to survive? You know, and around that time, this was in the 14-15 timeframe. I said, okay, we're either going to have to get big or get small and go after these, you know, next round of these contract vehicles. So we made the painful decision that we were going to have to get small to go back under the small business size standard and prepare ourselves when these next contract vehicles come up to go after it. So over a period of 24 months, as the option year came, we shed all of our subcontract work, painfully letting people go, handing them back over to the, you know, making sure they were taken care of. And we watched our revenue just tank, basically. But we had to do it to get back under that three-year rolling average. And then, and this is where just a testament to the people, you know, Lori Larson, Lou Jolly, my business partners, they trusted me because I said, you got to trust me on this. But they were watching us run on fumes, basically, as we were starting the bids now for these uh, large contract vehicles. And you know how that goes, because there's no guarantee you're going to win. But I just I had a team of folks around me and they trusted me. I said, we're going to do this. We've got good past performance. We're a good company. We've we've got a good reputation. Let's roll the dice. And we went after six large contract vehicles in the 17, 18 time frame and then had to sit there and wait for them to be awarded. And again, our revenue just kept going down and down. And finally, in 19, it just started happening one by one. We won five of the six large contract vehicles but it was gut-wrenching, painful, and I always joke, my joke is being an entrepreneur means you sleep like a baby every night, curled in a fetal position, crying yourself to sleep, and I felt that's what I was doing every night. Oh, my God, it's so true. Oh, it's so true. And it's, you know, again,
0: the, the, the world has changed since we were both starting out as small businesses. These best-in-class vehicles, these kind of agency-specific vehicles are all the the rage at this point, you have to have them to compete as a viable mid-sized business, right? And then there's the next phase of that when you, you lose those vehicles and you're a real, real large business or not small business, which is where I'm looking on the precipice of right now. But that took guts. I mean, I cannot imagine turning around and saying, Okay, I'm because you were
1: your your peak. You were high 20s, low 30s. Yes, high. We were in the 20s. Yes.
0: So to go from the 20s
1: to you know down into we hit a low of uh, seven million. Oh
0: my, I just can't imagine having to do that, having to shed all of that overhead that and all of those people that you cared about. Yes. Um must it just had to be gut-wrenching to be able to to kind of take stock redo this and and you were really open with me and i appreciate that at that time to say okay as you're coming out of size status don't do what we did right don't look at this and go okay well our our partnerships are all going to be good right our the Booz allen's of the world you know the the lockheed's of the world they love us. Well, they love you because you're you. Yes. But you're you as a small business. As soon as you're not a small business, you, they get no credit for using you.
1: Exactly. Uh,
0: and so they might love you, but they need to they, they'll find someone else to love. So, you know, you were really good about telling us, OK, go find the vehicles, um, which is which is what you told us to do. And we did go find the one or two big contracts that row you out, not at the 25 million, you know, not, not coming in and being not small, but not being big enough. You need to be at the 50, 60, $70 million mark when you come out of size status so that you're a big, small or a small, big, um,
1: Exactly.
0: you're, you're there, And then the systems, I mean, that's one of the things you guys, I know, helped us with is you had already started putting these systems in place. If you as a emerging, not small business, I don't I don't want to say large business because it's not right. It's it's a not small. Um, And so you as an emerging, not small business don't have all of these bells and whistles. You're dead. You're You're absolutely right. Um, so it's it it's like an entirely different game. It, it really is an entirely different game, um, GovCon in the mids in the mid space.
1: It it is. Your your mindset changes because again, you look at things differently. And it's not that it's not enjoyable or fun, but you have the decisions are harder. Your your personnel decisions, you know, you mentioned when I had to downsize my staff yeah. and the resize again, you know, the first You know, knee jerk is, well, I'll just hire those people back if they're still available. But then I had to, you know, sit down with Lou and Lori and say, are these the people that are going to get us to? They got us to ten or twenty million. Can they get us to fifty or sixty? And you went, no, they, they're not. You know, they're great people, but they don't have the experience or the skill set. And you start having those painful conversations and decisions to make if you want to go on that route. And like you said, some make the decision to stay small and and it's a great decision. There's no right or wrong. It's really driven by what you want to do, but we knew we wanted more. We wanted to do, and we knew we, we thought that we had the capability to do more. And that's where we said, but we, I I think eyes open by this point in time, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple and you are going to have some difficult conversations to make in order to make it happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one thing that you said that actually, you know, we're, we're still struggling with one of, one of our other mentors who started and sold his business for in the mid, you know, like 50, 60 million and and has succeeded, obviously did it, did it well. One thing he's got a couple of like good nuggets of information or good nuggets of, of wisdom that kind of permeate with me. And one of them was that the people who got you there are not going to get you to the next step. And it's not entirely true. There are some people, you've got Lou, you've got Lori, who have worked through those those transitions. So there are some people who will get you from the first step all the way to the last step. Right. But you have to change so much. Again, the game changes at 1 million to 5 million, at 5 million to 10 million. At certainly, ten to twenty and then twenty to fifty, and beyond you know i I just had one of my senior staff say to me, "This isn't the same firm that I came into and, <laughs> and that, right. it's challenging right and it's it you you work through I love the firm I came into, I love the firm that we developed here, and you know there may be a requirement to for some people to say, look, I love being in a small firm and I love being the entrepreneurial kind of do everything. Nothing has a process. We just figure it out, which honestly is where that's that's where I love being. There are no processes whatsoever. There are no people. To, I, I do everything. And I have fought tooth and nail, honestly, throughout the years at every point for putting more processes in place it was the right thing to do you had to but it didn't feel the same and that change is really 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 hard and so the people who got you there sometimes are not the people who are willing to do or able to do or want to do what it takes at that next level cuz it's it's a different firm at every level you keep the same core of your you know values of your reasons behind doing it but it really changes as a firm at at every turn, and and that's one of the things I love about it, but it's also one of the hardest things
1: it it, it is you know your culture starts to shift, and because you're right, you know the thing that you and I talked about we both loved we love being the problem solvers, everything came through us, and yes. you know from hey, we need a different type of paper and the copier to big decisions. it all flowed through you, and then it's that realization that a. Everything can't come through you. And then decisions start being made. You have to trust people. You have to have the right yeah. people in place. And things are happening. I, I don't get to meet every employee, you know, um, uh-huh. and, and welcome them as I did early on. Or, oh, my God, I, who is that? Oh, wow. I didn't realize we hired that person. You know, I wasn't yeah. involved on that decision. Yeah. And it, it, it you're right. It rattles you a little bit because your being is tied to that every decision is made by you. And you have to understand that. I've got to start delegating. I can't make every decision. And it's hard even to break, even now to this day. You know, I was talking to some of my folks because they came to me about some decision about the building. And I just said, guys, you we've got an office manager, you've you know got budget. Why why are you even coming to me? You know, yes. I have to make sure they understand you don't have to come to me with every decision. You have to be able to do it on your own. But it's but it's a change, a shift of the culture.
0: One of my biggest fears, I this sounds silly, but one of my biggest fears, and it I guess we're in COVID, so it's not quite as big a fear anymore, is I'm going to be on a flight from Tampa to D.C., and somebody is going to recognize me that works for me that I don't know.
1: Yes. Uh, like, yes. you're. It's so funny. You know, I was just up there. I was meeting some new employees just two weeks ago, and it was hard because we couldn't get everyone together. We, had, we were in one of the government buildings. We were spaced out. Right. And it was the same thing. If I hadn't had my HR director with me, I wouldn't have been able to put faces and names. You know, I knew some of the names, but she's, oh, well, that's so and so, that's so and so. And you're absolutely right. I could have been walking down the hall and I wouldn't have known that those people work for me.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, again, coming from that knowing everyone in the firm, knowing their spouse, knowing their kids. Yes. uh, To not knowing, I mean, there are, I, I, we have a, an HRIS system that, that tracks everyone and we have a, kind of virtual water cooler on there. Hey, welcome. So-and-so, you know, so-and-so just got a shout out from their customer, you know, congratulate them, whatever. But I see all of the new people coming on or even the people who are like celebrate their two-year anniversary. I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard that name before. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not where I want to be. But at the same time, again, staying static doesn't work either. Right. And I, I, I credit the people who can. I mean, I'm, I've, I've watched a number of firms actively stay small and do very, very well staying small. But that that kind of shark mentality of swim forward or die—like you have to keep going—and so there are trade offs if you're going to stay small as well.
1: You're right, and, and 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 that's that hard decision. You're right. I mean, we made that decision that we were not going to stay small. We didn't want to, but we had long conversations about it. Is it the right thing to do? And we just decided we didn't. But I, like you, I've seen some who have done it, and I give them all the credit in the world because that's just as much of a struggle as growing yeah. of knowing which opportunities not to pursue, knowing right. what opportunities to turn down in order to stay small.
0: Yep. Yeah, I don't know how. I I legitimately don't think I can do that. I I I give them all the credit in the world. I'm not good at saying no. In fact, I think my entire BD staff and probably mostly my proposal staff would like for me to say no a little bit more often because there's so many good stuff. I'm like, we could do that. We could totally do that. Let's you know. And so figuring out the resources, even at this level, and even with the growth trajectory that we're on, is hard. And so you know. Doing that to, to stay small would be even harder. Right. Um, but you know, we I, I think you have seen, we have seen the industry change a lot. And as it has changed, trying to figure out that as well. I mean, you know, you're you're figuring out how your company changes. But then the industry is throwing changes at you, right, left and center. We've got that pendulum swing that keeps going back and forth with LPTA and best value and, you know, bundling, not bundling, all of these things. I mean, it, it, it's really hard to do this. And I, I say all the time, and I think I've heard this from you as well, if it wasn't hard, everyone would do this. Of course, it's hard. That's part of
1: the that's part of the great thing about it, because not everyone can do it because it is hard. You're 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 right. And and again, you know, you've seen this too. We've talked about this. The regulatory environment has changed. It's so much more complex. Yes. I mean, I remember when I started, literally the contracting officer helped me right. <laughs> with certain aspects that right. they would never do now. I mean, the level of for a lot of different reasons. One, not that anything was illegal, but it's just they don't have the time or the yes. patience or the experience. You know, we're dealing with contracting officers who sure. are Right out of training, and we're helping to educate them on some aspects of the federal acquisition regulation. So that's harder. The requirements, what they want you to have in order to do business, and so I actually I tell people, and they say, "I was thinking about starting a business." I say, "Well, think hard about it because it's a lot more difficult than when I started, you know, yeah. back in 0405 time timeframe." Yep. Yeah. No, I've I've said the same thing to people as that
0: I'm not sure I would do this again. Not, not now. You know, it's great that you can, and there are some firms that are here in Tampa doing great that are brand new or or fairly new. We just hosted um, Mike Groschel again at IEX. Oh,
1: yeah, Iron Eagle X. is great.
0: He's phenomenal. Um, he called you out for being one of the greatest guys he's ever seen in business for doing yeah. the right thing, uh, because he won, I guess, a bid against you. And yes, you just- recently. I called them right as soon as I found out. That's awesome. Look, I don't even know I would do that. Like you hand (laughs) it over to people that I like to think I'm a big person and I, you know, (laughs) kind of put my ego aside. That was next level leadership to turn around and go, you won this bid. Here's all the work that I've done and all the people I've recruited to make sure those people are taken care of and that the government can still have their mission completed with whomever they picked so you handed over all the people you had recruited and said here go talk to them that's next level and i'm i'm impressed i'm not bluntly and honestly i'm not sure i would do that
1: but (laughs) Uh, you don't give yourself enough credit you I know you and I know how much you work with other people too so you're you're just as generous with your time and and what you do and that's why I said that's why people around here it's funny you have come in in a short period of time and become the go-to person when people talk about Govcon they talk about you. And so you have accomplished that. So that's, uh, you know, I, I just kudos to you for all you've done, especially coming in in literally 10 years and making that mark. Well, not only here, too, I mean, you've also made a name for yourself up in DC as uh, the go to person to discuss. Uh, small business and GovCon and women-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses. And, and, and I appreciate that, too, because we need someone like you uh, yeah. to be a voice and an advocate for us. And, and you've done that.
0: At that. That's all, Donna. I will credit her. All of her advocacy in D.C. has really paid off for the small business community, not just for us. So she's really, I've focused more on Tampa. She's focused more on D.C. and the national level. Policy stuff and and she's she's blown it away so I I credit her on that one for sure but you know it's funny we we've, we've talked for years Greg about making sure that Tampa is really a center for GovCon again you did that as your in your chairmanship year with the chamber and really started that conversation I know we had talked man years ago about buying buildings and and creating a center for GovCon which fell apart for various business reasons. I, I don't think I realized
1: quite how shady some of the real estate stuff. Oh, uh, yes. You know, it was a blessing that we didn't actually get involved with uh, the one group that we were going to do that with.
0: Uh, it was learning a different part of business. Again, I've gotten really good at small business GovCon, right? And I know I'm good at that. It's it's now getting into these other pieces that we have to learn the mid-sized business GovCon stuff is hard, but real estate was entirely different. Oh, and I, I just yeah. knew I, I was uncomfortable and I was glad to walk away fairly early. I think you hung out for a little longer and tried to tough it out. And it, it's interesting how different the different industries are, but how different Tampa is to even the rest of GovCon and we talk about this all the time, and, and I've certainly, I think I've said this on on multiple podcasts. But Tampa, all of us are friends, like truly I friends.
1: I I know it's when you sit and look around. I think we had a dinner. Uh, it was uh, several months ago, and there was a number of us who got together. I think it was you know Brian Butler and you know Hugh and you and I and and some others. Yeah. And you look around that room and you go. This is crazy that we're, you know, competitors, friends, entrepreneurs, and we regularly meet with each other and share, you know, issues that we're dealing with, and we're very open with each other. I can't think of any other place you'd see that, that, you know, we would pick up the phone and go, hey, I'm I'm struggling with this. Have you dealt with this before? Knowing that, theoretically, you could use that against me, but you don't worry about it with our, our group of folks, because we've just formed these relationships, and, and it is unique to Tampa. I don't think you'll see this anywhere else.
0: I've got to tell you, I'm not sure
1: that we would have been as successful without having been headquartered
0: here in Tampa. Because it is an entirely different feel. It is an entirely different... I mean, again, you sat down with us and said, hey, these are the challenges that we've had. Let me show you what we did so you don't do that. And let me show you all of the money that we invested. And I'm going to hand over... I mean, I remember our EEO stuff. Oh, yeah. Right? You had just been through kind of hell and back on EEO. Yeah. You were like... Well, yeah, we had our first Department
1: of Labor audit.
0: Yes. Um, and it was, don't do, like, start this early, figure it out, make sure you have it done, and let me show you what we did so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And that That took us to an entirely different level much sooner than we would have even realized that we needed to do it. And so... You know, to do that, to have Hugh sit down and go, okay, here's what I'm doing, here's what I can do for you, here's what you need. Brian, same thing. I, I mean, there's just, yeah, looking around and we, you convened a room years ago.
1: Oh yeah. You remember that at Center Club? I um, remember that the lunch. You're right.
0: And I mean, that had to be, I was, that's got to be eight, nine years ago.
1: Yeah, uh, it was a long time.
0: And to start having those conversations and say, why is this so different and how do we highlight this and how do we centralize it and how do we, and it really has gotten better and better and better, again, through the chamber, through, and, you know, the the chamber tends to be the the easy convener for a lot of this and the military council and what we've, we've tried to do with that, but through the political leadership and having these conversations Kathy Castor and Gus Bilirakis are reaching out to us and saying, okay, you guys are a driver for our economy. What do we need to do here? And, you know, Jane Castor, when she got elected, one of the first, you know, I had talked to her about this before she ever officially uh, put her hat in the ring for, for mayor. And, you know, within a week of her being elected, I got a text from her saying, all right, convene the business leaders. I want to understand this. And she's been a phenomenal asset. She has. GovCon. But, you know, COVID hit and they were and I know they were calling you, too. Um, they were calling me and saying, in fact, I saw you on the email. So I know they were talking to you, too. What does this do to your industry? What do we need to understand? How do we fix this for you guys? Because you are such a driver of our economy here in Tampa and we're terrified of what happens if you guys have, you know, a mass layoff or, or whatever. So having those conversations, having that political leadership here that is so engaged in this is, is also really, really critical.
1: You know what you just said? It's so funny. But again, just think about what we just talked about. And this is the difference of being here in Tampa. You have personal relationships. The mayor's contacting you, the local yes. Congressional delegation. I mean, I don't think that would happen in an Atlanta or a DC or a New York. No. No. I it
0: it wouldn't. I mean, I literally we we got, and I'm sure the same with you, because I know you've got just as strong relationships as we do, but you know, we get a contract award and if it's, you know, we put out a press release and it gets picked up, I get a text from the mayor, I get a call from uh the congresswoman. Saying, hey, saw you, you know. Even when when we've been on the congressional notification kind of distribution, when we get a contract that's large enough for that, uh, you know, I get a, a call from the chief of staff over there saying, hey, just saw this, congratulations. I, I right. don't think that happens in except with large businesses, right? They're calling the Raytheon's certainly if their congressional delegation is is if you know wherever Raytheon is headquartered. Yeah, they're they're definitely able to sit and talk to their congressional delegation. But I know ours, they're sitting there talking to all of us. It's not it's not because I'm special. It's because they really actively recognize the the power of small business here in Tampa because it's driving almost everything. We don't have the large large businesses here. We have the midsize and small businesses driving it.
1: Right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And that again, unique to Tampa. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So for any of those listening that are not in Tampa, come to Tampa because it's, <laughs> it's a great place to be. Seriously though, I, I, I don't know. We would not be where we are for sure without having been in Tampa. I, I, I have no doubt of that.
1: Well, I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to be here every time I go through our great airport that's going through a multi-billion dollar upgrade right. um, the great weather the the great tax environment I mean I don't know why you would not want to live here anything you want from the beach to uh, professional sports teams to right. I'm so fortunate with my daughter growing up here you know being 50 minutes away from Disney World and Universal I mean this is just awesome thing
0: yeah no it's 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 amazing. And we've got better schools than people think we do, for sure. We've got, you know, really great sports, great, great youth sports as well. But it is nice being in Champa Bay as well. I mean, I, that this year was fun. Uh, yeah. like all of us yeah. with every one of them. I think even our soccer team. I know. Uh, so,
1: you know, I think we've got four championships in one year, which is crazy. And um, working on the next batch because we have uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are in the playoffs. So it's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we are we are big fans of the Lightning in our house. So we are watching them very, very closely. But it is, it, it yeah, it's it's a great place to be. It's a great place to be. Small business. It's a great place to be a GovCon business. Really. Appreciate, though, what you've done for this community over the years. I mean, again, starting with your your chair of the chamber time and and before that, even to now you have been a leader in GovCon. You've been a leader in Tampa. And again, I appreciate your friendship and your counsel and your just being a cheerleader for us over the years. It's it's. I, I have been incredibly lucky and I am glad I went to that convention center, whatever it was, when I did and got to know you. Because I, I I do credit you with a lot of the the success that we've had.
1: Oh, well, Lauren, you are too kind. And thank you so much for, for your friendship and guidance. And I'll be, you know, honestly, it was a little selfish of me to uh, share all this with you because, you know, I hope to share in your success. So I'm doing all this for the hope that you'll let me ride in your Gulfstream uh, when you buy your first one. Absolutely. Yeah. Those little
0: planes make me nervous, but yes, for For sure. sure. And that's, I mean, that's the big thing is that there is it's the rising tide lifts all boats, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's enough room for all of us. And you showed me that. And now we've got, you know, great. We're doing well. It's awesome. And we're back to partnering again. Right. We
1: exactly are
0: formally our mentor, in the Mentor-Protege program. And and I will say, we did not know, we didn't even talk about that today. We did not know how to leverage that as effectively right. as we could have. But now we're back to partnering again. We get to, you know, we're on a couple of vehicles together. We're on a couple of bids together. And it's nice to have that that formal relationship back as well.
1: Well, we're more mature now, too. We've both learned a lot. And you're right. We didn't leverage it the first time around. But, you know, it is more it's it's enjoyable. Again, we always now we feel we have the ability to work with those we want to work with. You know, it has given us some breathing room uh, that now it is a little more enjoyable that you you spend time with those you want to spend time with. And you and I talked about this, too. There are companies out there I won't do business with uh-huh. because their culture doesn't align with ours. Um, how they do business, either you know, legal or moral and ethical. And we've learned the hard way that you know, the money is not worth it. You know, at the end of the day, you have to stay true to your values, to your vision. And I joke that I sleep well at night because I know that the people I work with, the people I work for, the relationships I have, I take care of them. And not saying we don't make mistakes, that we make mistakes all the time. Sure. But you know, what I try to show my folks is own up to your mistake, You know, pick up the phone, talk it through, take care of those relationships, and yep. it'll pay off in the end. Yep. And there are so many firms that don't do that. I think that's
0: actually one of the things going back to that you know, discussion about Tampa, and not every firm in Tampa is... is yeah, that's that true. Certainly. <laughs> um, there are a couple I can think of that I, we don't do business with, right? But yeah. the vast majority of the firms in Tampa, I don't know if it's because they're, they're here. Maybe it's vitamin D. They've got more, you know, happier <laughs> I don't know. But they do that. They see the long-term. They're there for not the the private equity kind of quick buck uh, thing. Certainly all of us are still for profit and comfortable with that, but it's the long-term growth and the long-term relationships that matter. And so it doesn't feel as transactional. It doesn't feel as quid pro quo. It feels much more like, Hey, let's all figure this out together. Let's all rise up together. And I, I will, I cheer for you when you get a contract win, right? I cheer for Hugh when I see him selling his company, you know, his GovCon business to a great firm. I, I cheer for Brian as I see him win the, was he was the small business leader of the year for, hey. or for I don't know if it was the chamber, like. But he was the the national small business leader. And, you know, I mean, to turn around and be like, I'm not jealous of that. I'm thrilled for him. And I know he's going to turn around and help me and I'm going to turn around and help him. And we're all good and we're all perfectly happy and we're all doing really, really, really well.
1: And that's the difference. Where you're absolutely right. I I I agree with you hundred percent. I know I think I ran into the convention center when I heard you had won um your latest, you know, large win. I remember I was texting Lori and I was like, this is great, you know, they're they're yeah. just killing it, you know, but cause I felt good too. I mean, it's so fun to watch us all grow and mature as companies. But you're right, that's I think that is special to us in this area that we do celebrate each other's successes.
0: Truly, yeah, no, I, you, yeah, you, and you're right. It was the the night that we won our our big USA contract, and I saw you at something at the at the convention center, and like huge hug. It was like there, there's no animosity. There's no, it it really is. It's a it's a great place to be, and it's I am grateful for the group of us that are kind of the the centerpiece of that because it it really is. It makes it easier to do all of this. And when the hard stuff comes, I, I've got an entire kitchen cabinet of people to turn around and go, okay, have you faced this? What did you do when this happened? Because it's exactly this stuff happens. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone's faced this before. And almost every time one of you guys has. Um, so, well, we could keep talking forever, but I think uh, our listeners are probably tired at about a half an hour, 45 minutes. And I'll go on with you forever. I would love to talk at some point again about kind of those partnerships and how, you know, we leveraged or did not leverage that that joint venture and the the things that we've learned about those. Because so I know you have now successfully leveraged joint ventures. So maybe we'll come back for a second podcast around partnerships and joint ventures at some point. I look forward to it. Well, Greg, thank you very much. Thank you for giving your words of wisdom to our listeners that you've given me over the years. And we look forward to more conversations
1: and more friendship going forward. And Lauren, thank you so much for allowing me to take time to uh, speak to your listeners. And again, uh, look forward to catching up uh, soon.
0: Thank you.